It's a Thanksgiving edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. I am star of the show, Armando Salguero, because star of the show, Adam Beasley, is, oh, you're sticky pool, little lamb, oh, my, are we not feeling good? I am playing hurt today, Armando. I am uh, I am far from 100%. It's that, you know, I can only handle a few hours of Cleveland, not a few days. I came back with something fierce. Oh, man, that's terrible. That's terrible. The Dolphins came back with something fierce, too. It's called a loss. Ah, well played. <laughs> and uh, and they're loving it. Nah, I don't know if they're loving it or not. Um, so, Adam, uh, what we're doing sitting here looking at the week ahead, are we celebrating the fact that the Cincinnati Bengals are now going to play Andy Dalton uh, in the next few weeks, rather than just totally tanking and wanting to lose by playing a quarterback that has no business playing in the NFL. Yeah, that's fascinating, isn't it? It's To me, uh, maybe Zach's feeling some pressure. Maybe he's been told, hey, man, you got to win some games and not embarrass us completely. I mean, we know that's a notoriously cheap ownership, a notoriously cheap uh, uh, front office that uh, they do things in a – they have a 19th century approach to a 21st century game. So the idea that they would can a guy one year into his contract and need all that guaranteed money and hire somebody else to me seems far-fetched. But to me, that's the only explanation, that he's feeling some heat here because there's nothing else that – there's no other scenario in which it makes sense for them to make this move because those players checked out a month ago. You think going back to Dalton this week is going to magically light a fire to these guys, and so they might finish one and four or five, two and three? I, I just don't get it. Well, it serves their purposes, doesn't it? I mean, if they're not going to be any better uh, to the point where they start winning and lose the first overall pick, that serves their purposes because it gets Zach Taylor some wins, and it doesn't lose them the first overall pick. Well, that's, that's a big if. They've got uh, the New York football Jets this week. And I know Adam Gase has got it going right now, and they lit up the Raiders last week. But this is still the same team that lost to the Dolphins, the game in Cincinnati. Um, that's, no, that's no gimme for the Jets. It's no gimme for the tanking Bengals either. So, you know, if, if Sam Darnold starts seeing ghosts again, he throws a couple of picks, all of a sudden – you're in a must-lose situation against the Dolphins December 22nd. And, you know, I'm not saying I know this for a fact, but if I was a betting man, Armando, I would say the starting quarterback for that December 22nd game against the Bengals will be none other than Josh Rosen. Because, conveniently, it'll be time to move on after, you know, three or four straight losses under fix. The offense isn't moving, by the way. Their offense is going to be terrible this week because they've got no active bodies left. They've got no healthy bodies at all. Um... And so I could totally see a scenario in which the one lost, the one win Dolphins, the two win Dolphins against the one win Bengals, and the Dolphins are starting Josh Rosen, the Bengals are starting Andy Dalton, and the Dolphins end up with their pick of quarterbacks because they're going to lose that game. I'm glad you brought up Josh Rosen because honestly, um, so people that talk to me on the down low, uh, it seems that the Dolphins already understand what Josh Rosen is about, according to them. Um, and we've seen it out in the open. They they have shown no desire to play Josh Rosen, uh, even in games where 
it probably suited their tanking process to play him. They, I was told that they pretty much understand what he is, and they have a good feel for what he is, and seeing him more is no longer the thing. It's so, now just about, you know, when he will play. It's as simple as this. He will play when Brian Flores feels like he needs he wants to wave the white flag on the season. Well, I understand that. Uh you can do it strategically too. And yes, Fitzpatrick should start Sunday against the Eagles. It should also be his last start. I know there are people, you know, wondering and you are among them why they didn't pull Fitz in that last game. Here's the reason. They didn't want to embarrass the dude in his birthday, right? I mean, they, there's there's a deep reservoir of respect for Ryan Fitzpatrick, and you saw how much those touchdowns, even a losing effort, meant to him. In a lost season, they do right by their guy. That's why I think he'll start again this week. But I, I, I'm a firm believer that beginning December 8th, Jets, Giants, Bengals, Josh Rosen will start those games, and the Dolphins will get, get out of it exactly what they need, which is the number one pick in the draft. That That's fine. And that will absolutely be if – Ryan Fitzpatrick plays uh, poorly or loses. Um, and even if he wins and that happens, I don't see how he could, how Ryan Flores could play Josh Rosen if Ryan Fitzpatrick plays well against the Philadelphia Eagles because that would signal that you're doing an exact about face and you are indeed waving the white flag yeah. uh, by, by benching a guy who's playing well. Yeah, no, right I, now, their whole excuse has been we're going to play the guy that gives us the best chance to win, right? Yes. Uh, well, if the guy that gives you the best chance to win continues to play well, <laughs> uh, suddenly that excuse is out the door. You're waving the white flag. I don't know how well he's played. He's played certainly better than Rosen did, but he's still the 30th rated quarterback in the National Football League. No. I mean, he's a, a 10, 10 touchdown, 10 interception guy. Um and he had, a, he had a couple of touchdowns last week in, in, in garbage time. So, yeah, I, I, I agree on, on, you know, largely with what you're saying. And Rosen, man, the question is, is Josh Rosen on this team next year? I know they gave up a second-round pick for him, but if they draft Tua or whoever, whatever quarterback they like, are they going to carry Josh Rosen just for the sake of carry him? Because, in my opinion, Fitzpatrick, if he wants to continue to be in the league, uh, he, he deserves to be the backup here. Well, they do need three quarterbacks to go into training camp. True. So I guess you can make a decision on Rosen based on what you see in exactly. camp in preseason. Yeah, that makes sense. Exactly. And, and not only that, but, you know, you hope that Josh Rosen, who, by the way, is looking like the lesser light of all of the quarterbacks picked in the first round of the 2018 draft right now. In fact, he's the only one who isn't starting. He's the only one who the team that picked him – wasn't happy with, he's the only one that his next team, uh, you know, isn't all that fired up about. It's it's weird. It's it's a strange situation. Maybe he's just not that good. I mean, it's just terrible to say it that bluntly, but maybe there are smarter people in the organization last year who passed on him for a reason, and that's because he's just not that good. Yeah, it's, I feel bad for Josh Rosen because he's tried to be a good citizen and tried to do and say everything that is correct so as to not upset the apple cart, even to the point where sometimes he kind of pushes his own 
personality down and, and doesn't reveal himself. But at the end of the day, I love that phrase, by the way. Yes. At the end of the day, uh, it's about production. It's a production business. And if you can't beat out a journeyman quarterback and a lifetime journeyman quarterback, what really are you? You are career backup. And I don't know if Josh Rosen wants that for his life. He's got a lot of interest. He's got a lot of things going on outside of football. I don't see him being a tenure backup. I just don't. Speaking of a backup, and let, let's let's cover this real quick before we do a break. Um, Kalen Balazs, to ah. me. <laughs> <laughs> that dude is a backup running back, and yet he's still the starting running back for the Miami Dolphins, and it's driving me nuts. Is he a backup running back? I, I would argue he's not an NFL running back. He is statistically the worst running back in the, the National Football League. He is so bad. And I know the common excuse is, well, it takes 11 guys to have a running attack. That's all well and good. You know who's not averaging 1.9 yards a carry? Kenny Drake. Patrick Laird. Kenny Drake when he was here. Mark Walton when he was here. Only one of those four guys is awful. So, no, he's, he's playing his last five games for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, it's not good. And, and the shocking thing about it is they continue to, like, uh, try to lift them up and make excuses for them. He's a running back. There's 40 of them on the street right now that would love to come in and get a shot. Uh, what are you trying to accomplish? Let's see somebody else. Yeah, that, that is, to me, the most puzzling decision. And, you know, we saw more parity and snaps this past week and carries and all that. Patrick Laird and Miles Gaskin played more. Um, I bet you see even more of that this week. I, I think they're talking about waving the white flag. If you are an established veteran, or I mean, I don't know if you call Kalen Balazs established, but if you've been here a minute and you've had plenty of opportunity to prove what you can do, you shouldn't play for the rest of the season because it hasn't been good enough. Now, that's not saying that, you know, you're going to find uh, the second coming of Gale Sayers and, 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 and Miles Gaskin, but at least he deserves a chance to prove he's not that guy. And we've already gotten ample proof that Kalen Balazs isn't even Daniel Thomas, let alone, you know, Gail Stairs, um, it's, it's time to make a move there. By the way, they used him in uh, wildcat formation last week. There was one time that he was obviously trying to pass. He didn't. He pulled it and ran. Uh, Devontae Parker was wide open down oh, the field. Oh, oh. So he, uh, not a good quarterback either, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we, we were talking about, uh, you know, going with Rosen if, if Fitz doesn't play well. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I'm going to tell you a statistic which suggests that this might be Ryan Fitzpatrick's last week because his production will be, back, be down this week. All right, so three, two, one. We've had a chance to break. Uh, you know, Beasley, have you have you gone ahead and, and blown your nose? Yes, yes, I feel much better now. I'm a new man. Yes. Did you gargle during the break? I should own stock in halls because I bought like seven bags of uh, lozenges the last three days. Uh, but I'm going. I'm pushing through. I'm playing hurt. And I did leave our listeners with a crappy-o, crappy radio podcast tease, and that's a statistic that is pretty damning and – Pretty scary if you're Chad O'Shea this week. And that, six, that, that, that statistic is 62.3%, Armando. 
And that 62.3% is the percentages, percentage of Dolphins' offensive snaps in 11 personnel. And 11 personnel, as you all know, one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. Why is that scary? Because the Dolphins have two wide receivers that are healthy right now. Two wide receivers got out of the game healthy. Uh, Jakeem Grant might not play again this year. He's got a high ankle sprain. I wouldn't be surprised if they IR him. And Albert Wilson, who's been dealing with injuries for the last two years, has a new one, a rib injury, couldn't finish the game. That left them with both just Devontae Parker and Alan Hearns as their active wide receivers, which is a bit of a problem when your base offense, nearly two-thirds of your snaps, are with three wide receivers on the field, you're going to have some problems. So I'm sure they're going to activate Isaiah Ford off the practice squad. They might post somebody off of another team's practice squad. But uh, their offense is going to take another step back, which is kind of crazy to think about because they're already one of the two or three worst offenses in football. Does Bryant is available? Could you imagine? <laughs> no. <laughs> that would be so funny. Yes, the Dolphins bring in Des Bryant. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> just got to take a look. Just got to see what he's got. Just, just, just to check him out. We're, just we're check gonna, him out. We're a feeler. We're trying to see if he's a flyer. You, you know, they would love to have uh, – who was that receiver that they had for, like, a cup of coffee and then he got hurt in the game? I don't know. Uh, Butler is available. No. Oh, yeah, because he was catching passes from Michael Vick. It was the uh, the receiver they poached off the Seahawks practice squad, the former fourth-round pick, and he was – and I'll look up his name because this is embarrassing. But uh, he was injured while celebrating the Jakeem Grant kickoff return for a touchdown. Oh, Jerry Jennings. Jerry Jennings. He was diving yeah. into the dog pile, and as he, was, as he did so, he hurt his shoulder bad enough to be out for the season. Yeah, if he hadn't done that, Gary Jennings would be starting this week. I mean, that's crazy to think about. Like, now the Dolphins have to go and find a guy or maybe two guys off the street to play wide receiver for them because Preston Williams got hurt in a freak incident because they – you know, traded away Kenny Stills because the two guys I just mentioned are hurt. Because Gary Jennings hurt himself celebrating. That kind of is a snapshot of the season. Even when they do good, they do bad. You know that um, you mentioned him in passing, and you spent some time with him last week, which is good because I would say to you that the next five weeks are going to be the last five weeks that Albert Wilson is on the Miami Dolphins. Yes. Uh, he is owed, I believe, $9 million dollars in base salary next year, and not a dime of that is guaranteed. We are probably seeing the final month of the Albert Wilson experiment, which is really kind of unfortunate because last year he was one of the most exciting players easily in the division, maybe the conference and even the National Football League. When he got the ball in his hands last year, he was absolutely electric. And ever since that hit went, his game hasn't been the same. Well, uh, so I'm going to say something wildly unpopular now. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, because it's uh, last year and not this year. But the fact remains that Adam Gase figured out how to use Albert Wilson, and this group of coaches has not. Yeah. Period. Yeah, that's fair. And, that, that, that's a shortcoming. Uh, and, by the way, this coming from a person that has told everybody that this coaching staff, uh, you know, has built Devontae Parker back up and understands him and knows how to use him better than what the Gates coaching staff did. But on the other side of that coin, the Gates coaching staff knew how to use Albert Wilson and maximize him, and this coaching staff has no clue about that. 
If I said the words to you, Devontae Parker, potential pro bowler, what would your reaction be? A lot of people opting out of the pro bowl. <laughs> How many people do you think would have to tap out for Preston, oh, not Preston Williams, for Devontae Parker to make the pro bowl? Yeah, I don't know. I, this, I, I don't feel comfortable talking about the Pro Bowl with it, in a podcast that discusses the 2019 Miami Dolphins. I are just, they going to have one? Who would it be if they had one? Well, I don't. I think they have to have one. Isn't that a rule? I don't know in the NFL if that's a rule. I know Major League Baseball has that rule. I don't believe uh, the NFL does. Uh, right now, Devontae Parker is 27th in the National Football League in receiving yards with 695, and he's even better in yards per catch. And I'll get that for you, that stat for you in one second. He is 19th in yards per catch with 15.1. So, uh, what, like four or five wide receivers make the Pro Bowl? Yeah, per conference, that's 8, 9, 10 the National Football League. Yeah, he needs a lot of people to tap out before he makes that. But he's probably their best chance, right? I mean, there's nobody else who's put up any kind of numbers. Oh, I know who the Pro Bowler is. Uh, it's Mika Fitzpatrick. Wow. <laughs> wow. Actually, yeah, the Dolphins have a couple of Pro Bowlers in Minka Fitzpatrick and probably Laramie Tunsil. And maybe Ryan Tannehill, too. You know, let's let's talk about that real quick. We didn't plan to talk about this, but let's discuss this before this podcast ends. So, you know, being a, a, a media type, as you are and I are, um, sometimes we bring up the fact that uh, the team has made mistakes. Rarely, but sometimes. Occasionally. Yes, and when I disagree with a move, I, I tell you, I I pound that mistake like it's a nail, and I need to nail that thing to complete my house. I just pound it and pound it and pound it. But in this case, I agree with the Miami Dolphins that they got rid of Ryan Tannehill. That was not a situation that they could continue. I don't care that he's playing well in Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I on balance agree with you because they were never going to win a Super Bowl with Ryan Tannehill, and that's fine. But they weren't going to win a Super Bowl this year either way. And so I know he had a massive cap number. Maybe he would have agreed to some sort of pay cut uh, to restructure that. Who knows if he even wanted to come back here next year. Gase was gone either way. Uh, did Flores want him? I mean, there are a lot of, there are a lot of different – angles to take that, but there is something to be said, Armando, about a guy who leads a game-winning drive against the Kansas City Chiefs, who are still, even though the record isn't great, one of the better teams in the conference, and there's something to be said about a guy who is the third-rated quarterback in the National Football League, behind Kirk Cousins and Russell Wilson and tied with Lamar Jackson. That is elite company he's in right now, because Kirk Cousins is playing out of his mind this year, and that's, I know, I know for a fact, I know for a fact that there were members of the <laughs> upper class of the, 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 the power trio of the, of the Dolphins last year who absolutely would have won Ryan Tannehill back in uniform if he was still 
running new thing here, and, and, and you can probably guess what I'm talking about. And it wasn't Adam Gase, and clearly it wasn't Chris Greer. So there were people in that building who thought Ryan Tannehill was not only salvageable, but was a quarter, good quarterback still, and he's getting a chance to prove that he doesn't stink as a member of the Tennessee Titans. Right, so you're talking about Mike Tannenbaum, and uh, Adam Gates didn't want Ryan Tannehill anymore. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the fact of the matter is that if that trio had remained intact, Ryan Tannehill wasn't going to be on the team because the guy that – the the alpha dog in that room was Adam Gates, and he was the one that determined specifically more than anything else our quarterback – quote, unquote, and he was going to be done with Ryan Tannehill. He realized that it wasn't going to work, and there was no way anyone was going to pay $27 million in cap space to Ryan Tannehill for an eighth year with the Miami Dolphins. It just wasn't happening. One more thing, we're talking about, what is it, a four-game stretch or a five-game stretch now with Ryan Tannehill with the Tennessee Titans? He's appeared in seven games this year. All right. I would say to you that there will be at some point and probably soon a regression to mean and what you're talking about with him being in elite company, he will rejoin the company that he has always been with, which is a solid quarterback, uh, a, one that you can win with, but not win big with. And I love Ryan Tannehill as a person. He is salt of the earth, a good Christian, and and he will be in heaven, and I'll see him someday in heaven and hug him. But on my NFL team, I, I just don't see it, aside from the fact that, hey, by the way, uh, maybe it's working in Tennessee, but guys simply weren't following him here. And that's something that you need from your quarterback. You need your quarterback to be the guy. And in Miami, he was never in that locker room the guy. Yeah, I I think this was uh, a perfect situation for him. He had none of the pressure going into the season. He had so much crap going on in his head the last two years, three years. Injuries and the pressure of having to win to keep his job. And the city had turned on him and all that. So I agree with you. It it was time to move on. I am happy to see him doing well. I will say this. um, While his passer rating is excellent, his QBR, which uh, might be a better gauge of how well he's played, is 55.7, and that's middle of the pack. So um, there may be some regression. His stats might catch up with his his actual performance soon. But you know what? The Dolphins got to root very, very hard for Ryan Tannehill down the stretch. You know why, Armando? Why? Because they're playing the Pittsburgh Steelers a couple of times or something? The Texans twice. And if they sweep the Texans, they most likely will win. The Titans will most likely win the division, and the Texans will be out of the playoffs. So go Ryan Tannehill. Get the Dolphins another top 15 pick. What's on the menu at the uh, Beasley household for uh, Turkey Day? Oh, well, it's uh, we do Christmas. My in-laws do Thanksgiving. But it's the standard. I mean, turkey, stuffing. Uh, the works. Um, I'll, I'll give an unpopular opinion, Armando. Uh, if there, if I see sweet potato casserole on the table, I will take it off the table and throw it in the trash can because it is the worst side dish in all the holidays in human existence. Wow, you're anti sweet potato casserole. It is garbage. It is straight garbage. 
That is a very visceral reaction to sweet potatoes, my man. Yeah. My goodness, what did they ever do to you? It has ruined so many holidays. When I was a child, my mother forced me to eat them, and I nearly puked all over the dining room table more times than I can count. Um, yeah, it's if if if, if, you, if 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 you're hosting Thanksgiving and you've got sweet potato casserole at the table, I ain't coming. Well, uh. If you guys follow me on Twitter, I will uh, announce Adam Beasley's in-laws address, and you can bring the sweet potato casserole <laughs> ad nauseum, and there will be a lot of topping of sweet potato casseroles. Whoa. What about you? What you got? Uh, what do the Salgueros have going for Thanksgiving? The Salgueros are going to Orlando to visit the Salguero in-laws, and, uh, you know, they're from Tennessee, and so this is going to be a classic all-American fest, and I'll sit there in the corner speaking Spanish to myself. Some, and, uh, <laughs> some deep, some deep-fried turkey, or maybe some barbecue smoked turkey. No, no, they're very traditional, and you know, it's it's the same, you know, mashed potatoes and gravy and and the you know the green beans and all that American pilgrim stuff. <laughs> it's like I'm I'm kidding around. I love the food, but uh, well, it's a Sesame Street exercise, Beasley. It's I bet I bet you turn up though for Noche Buena. I bet we you get all of the traditional Cuban cuisine for that night. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, the the Sesame Street exercise is who does not belong. <laughs> which, which one of these does not belong? And that's Armando. <laughs> Well, you definitely belong in this podcast. You uh, you are the giblets to my turkey. Well, thank you. Uh, I think you just called me turkey innards, but that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. No problem. Join us next week for the Dolphins and Devs podcast. We appreciate you tuning in every week. Next week, Beasley promises to be 100%. Yes. Yes, I do. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving.